Kick me. Kick me. What was that? An exhibition? We need emotional content. Try again. I said emotional content, not anger. Now try again with me. did it feel to you? Let me think. Don't think. Feel. It is like a finger pointing away to the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger or you will miss all that heavenly glory. Do you understand? Never take your eyes off your opponent, even when you bow. That's it. What's up? I'm Nolan Tuck. Stacy Glover. And you are listening to Cinema Parlor. Stacy, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Uh, you know, uh, getting ready to uh, enjoy this beer. Uh, tonight... I don't know about you, I'm drinking a uh, Orange Goza from Crane Brewing to start things off. Okay. I'm uh, taking a little cheat off my diet here and drinking a nice brew. And then after that, I'm going to be drinking a uh, Natural Light Strawberry Lemonade. Now, Natural Light gets a bad rap, but, and they should, they deserve it, but the Strawberry Lemonade is tasty. Really? Very tasty. And two for $1.50. You know, I think I'm the two for a dollar fifty makes sense. I think the last time I drank mm-hmm. natural sure. light was Cody's bachelor party, the beer pong. That's a long time ago. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna tell you, you gotta try one of these. I know you're not I don't know if you'll like it or not, just because you're not the biggest of like on fruit. Is it like a stuff, fruity beer? Is there like a malt? There's a malt to it. I mean, it's... it's like, is it a malt? I would say it's closer, closer to a Goza. Okay, so it, so it is a beer. Mm-hmm. Yep. Gotcha. Yep. What are you drinking? Flavored? I've got... I'm living that basic bitch life. I'm drinking White Claw Hard Seltzer Black Cherry. Okay. It's got 5%, but only 2 grams of carbs. Mm, so a you're, can. You're sticking on your diet. Yeah. I'm off the track. Tonight. Here, here's what doesn't make sense: five percent of alcohol with only two grams carbs. Yeah, science, pretty solid. Yeah. All right, cool. Yep. So, uh, in tonight's episode, we're going to be discussing a couple films that you picked here. Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking about uh, *Enter the Dragon* and also *Mortal Kombat*. Heck yeah, man! A few fight films. All right, before we get things started, as always, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what we've been up to. So I'm going to lead things off here. 
Excellent. Um, been catching up with uh, a lot of older and newer stuff. Um, I'm not going to talk a lot about newer stuff because we'll probably talk about that a lot in an upcoming episode. Um, but first off, I'm going to talk about a couple films I watched recently. Uh, the first uh, would be a movie by the title of Vi. That is V-I-Y from 1967. This is directed by a couple Russian filmmakers who I am going to butcher their names at this point. Konstantin Ershov and Georgi Kropachev. I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't know how to say Russian names very well. Uh, Georgi Kropachev. All right. This is a uh, horror film, like I said, from 1967. Um... This is streaming on Shudder right now, if you're interested. Uh, this movie is wild. Um, it's like anything else I've ever really seen before. Um, it's only 67 minutes in length. And it's basically about uh, a guy and a couple of his friends are members of... Uh, well, they're actually a part of a church. Um, you could call them... They're not like... Um, priests but they're um say like in church there's like members like deacons and uh like members of church that are a part of serving i'll just put it that way okay and so these guys uh, are part of the church and one night they kind of go off on their own and they um have been drinking and they stumble into the woods to this house and there happens to be a witch that lives there and uh, one of the uh, guys here, uh, you know, kind of is freaked out, has an altercation with this witch, and uh, she kind of puts a curse on him um, because of things that end up happening, which I won't spoil at this point. Uh, and what happens is uh, a, a crazy three-night event in this movie. Huh. And at the end, there... It, I, Again, I will not spoil anything because I don't think a lot of people have seen this. The last about 10 minutes uh, was some of the coolest stuff I have seen in a horror film in a long, long time. Hmm. So I would highly recommend this movie. And yeah, it was pretty awesome. Nice. So that is first on my list. What about you, man? <clears throat> well, I too discovered a horror movie that I was a very big fan of. Uh, it's, uh, I think it's Russell McColchie Mc 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 or whatever. Uh, he he did uh, Highlander and uh, basically all the great 1980s music videos, uh, but it is an Australian horror film from 1984 called Razorback, and I've heard a lot about this film, but it's never been really available. I think it was just VHS here. Uh, it might be a made-on-demand title that you have to get, you know, manufactured, but uh, I got uh, just got the Blu-ray from Eureka. It's an Australian you know, distributor. Uh, most of their Blu-rays are all region, so that's nice. The movie's phenomenal. Uh, blew me away. I, I've got to say, it's definitely got to be the best movie that I've seen with a giant killer warthog in it. Um, the effects are really good. The movie's got a ton of style, and it's surprisingly brutal. And I think it's really cool when, you know, a lot of the times horror movies don't really surprise me too much anymore because, you know, kind of seen everything. So in this one did. And I think that's kind of neat. It, it's nice to be surprised by a movie, you know, and its quality, you know, especially when you're not expecting it. Okay. Yeah. So that that's makes always sense. Nice. Well, here's the thing. There's tons of movies I haven't seen, but 
like say like African Queen. I haven't seen that movie, but I know if I watch it, it's probably gonna blow me away. It's gonna be awesome because everybody says it's awesome. This movie, you know, Killer Pig movie. Who would have known? Great movie. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really good. I'm I'm excited to watch that sometime. Since you got the Blu-ray, I'll probably uh, do that. Hell yeah. Um, this is happening live here in front of everyone. Uh, I am a big NBA fan. I'm sorry about this, but big news for me. I'm an Oklahoma City Thunder fan. Russell Westbrook has just been traded to the Houston Rockets. Well, that's good. I so mean, he's going to play with Tracy McGrady and Yao Ming? You are living in the 90s. Hmm. Uh, so that makes Russell Westbrook and Paul George have been traded within the last week for me. This is rough time for a Thunder fan. It's time for a rebuild, but maybe better days ahead. Anyway, this is the part where on your Apple device, you would hit the skip 15, 30 seconds ahead. No, no, because NBA is cool, my friend. It's very cool. So, hey, we're getting Chris Paul, though. One old player for another and draft picks. All right. Okay, so <laughs> here we go. So uh, other things I've been watching recently. Um, I would also like to give a shout out to a movie I actually just watched last night. This is called Diamonds of the Night, 1964. Uh, this is a Czech film directed by Jan Nimick. Uh, this is a first time watch for me as well. Uh, I just recently brought, bought the Criterion Blu-ray of this. Um, this is a film that takes place um, during uh, World War II. It's about a couple of uh, basically teenage boys who have escaped a concentration camp and they are on the run the whole time. This is about as art film as you can get. Um, a lot of actual uh, uh, innovative uh, shots and editing. I really, really enjoyed this a lot, and I would highly recommend it. Um, I don't know if it's streaming on Criterion's channel or not, but you could always look. And so this was a very nice discovery for me that I watched yesterday. Nice. Um, yeah, speaking of Criterion real quick, they're also doing their 50% off Barnes & Noble sale right now. So if you are a buyer of physical media, go to Barnes & Noble's website, and you can get some Criterion discs for 50% off. If Heck yeah. So, anyway. How long does that sell run? That runs until usually, like, the first week of August, usually around in there. So it goes a whole month? Yeah, usually so. Dang. Yeah. Also, if you're a fan of Arrow right now, they are also doing a 50% off sale on Barnes & Noble that goes until August 7th, I believe. Wow. So, yeah. Shout out to Physical Media right there. Yeah. Anything else for you, man? Well, I did watch... So... This is a movie I've always been interested in. I don't know why. It just never was on my radar. Like, I knew of it, but didn't watch it. Uh, Robocop 2. So, I saw that... Uh, it, it's something I've always been interested in. I saw Shout Factory put those out like, a year or two ago. And uh, the podcast uh, Saturday Night Movie Sleepover did an episode on it. So, it's like, man... I, I want to watch that. So watch that on uh, the Amazon and it's pretty decent. It's got a lot of ideas and it's kind of messy, but for a sequel to a very good movie, you know, it, I think it delivers. It, it's obviously not as good as the first one. The first one's basically a perfect film, but uh, I, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of ideas. It's just none of it's fleshed out. The Tom Noonan's in it. Nice. Which, you know, everybody loves him. That's true. 
you know, Irvin Kirshner directed it, and, uh, you know, he probably most famously did uh, Empire Strikes Back, the best Star Wars film. Uh, it's, uh, it's a fun movie. Worth a watch. There's some really messed up stuff in there. And uh, the movie came out, I believe, in 1990, which is crazy that this isn't a thing that I was exposed to because, you know, as a kid, I was watching all these types of movies. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the it's the effects are amazing. It's got uh, stop motion animation. I think Phil Tippett did the animation work for it. And, I mean, the, the effects, it's like top-notch stop motion. It's kind of like the waning days of that. So, okay. very cool. Very good. Uh, I've got one more uh, I would like to talk about real quick. This is a film by the uh, title Girlfriends. This is from 1978, directed by Claudia Vale. Uh, this is streaming on the Criterion channel right now, if anyone has that. Uh, this uh, movie is very good. Um, if you are into any of Lena Dunham's uh, films or her show, uh, Girls, on HBO, check this out because this is definitely something that Dunham got basically all kinds of influence from. So uh, this is about uh, just some ladies uh, in the uh, New York area, about their lives, about um, the title says it all, really. <laughs> so you should check it out. It's uh, really, really great. Uh, this movie stars Melanie Myron uh, and Anita Skinner. Also, um, Christopher Guest's first film. Oh, and Bob Balaban and Eli Wallach also star. Um, huh. They all put in great performances as well. So I would highly recommend this movie. It is fantastic. Very cool. And that's it for me. Well, all right, man. You want to talk about uh, some fight films? Let's do it. All right. So first film we're going to talk about, because I feel like this film is this movie sets the template for all of these type of movies to follow. In fact, I'd say Mortal Kombat is basically close to a remake of it. Yeah. Um, most fighting games also take their stories directly from this film. Uh, it's super influential. One of the best action films ever. Uh, 1973's Into the Dragon uh, is directed by Robert Klaus. Uh, he didn't really have... Like, he made some other films like this. Uh Probably most famously, uh, he finished Game of Death. Uh, do you know much about that one? Uh, no, I've, I've, I've yellow have, jumpsuit. Um, I have seen it, um, I think, but um, it's been a, quite a long time. So Bruce Lee started uh, work on Game of Death before Enter the Dragon started production. Uh, he did all the tower fight stuff, and they never really filmed a film around that. And tragically, you know, before Enter the Dragon premiered in theaters, he passed away. So they took that footage and made a movie out of it, and Robert Klaus directed that with the Bruce Lee stand-in for most of the film. The movie itself's not that good, but the fight footage is some of Bruce Lee's best work. Um, he also did, I don't know if you've heard of this film, it's from the 80s, Gymkata. I have. That's so, the one I've always wanted to see. Yeah, so it's uh, gymnastics mixed with karate. The great critic Matt Singer, one of his favorite films. Really? He talks about it all the time. Well, Robert Klaus did that. Also, uh, the film was written by uh, Michael Allen. It, the script was originally called Blood and Steel. It was based, he was basically given this as a project. The producers wanted to do a thing with Bruce Lee. Um, up until this time, uh, you know, Bruce Lee in America, you know, during the 60s was doing television. 
And he, you know, he was a teacher to, uh, I know uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar studied under him, uh, James Coburn, uh, Steve McQueen, James Franciscus. Uh, so he, he was kind of a big name amongst, you know, these big actors, but he never really broke out here. Uh, he was Cato on The Green Hornet, and he had some guest spots on TVs and some movies and stuff, but uh, he could never really get his own, you know, stardom going. Uh, he pitched Kung Fu, uh, the TV show, which eventually they went with a white dude, uh, David Carradine, mm -hmm. you know, to play the role. So, you know, to become a star and do what he wants to do, he goes to Hong Kong to make his movies. So he has a string of, you know, successful films, uh, Big Boss, Chinese Connection, uh, Fist of Fury, um, and, and all these titles are, I, I think Fist of Fury and Chinese Connection are actually the same movie, um, but also Fist of Fury, I think it's also called Return of the Dragon. Mm -hmm. In some territories, that's the one where he fights uh, Chuck Norris in the Coliseum. So he makes all nice. these movies. They're super successful. He's the biggest star in China. Like Hong Kong right. loves this guy. And Warner Brothers wants to get in on that action. Uh, so this is going to be the very first Hollywood attempt at making a martial arts film. Um, so they bring him in. They bring this writer in, Michael Allen. And uh, the script he writes, it's based off a lot of the, like... Um, like the Oriental adventure comics that, and you know, like the Fu Manchu stuff that was big in the thirties mm -hmm. uh, and forties and the serialized stories. And they wanted the look of the film to be kind of like one of those comics, you know, very colorful. Uh, it kind of plays like a, you know, almost like a bond film, you know, with like the ludicrous, uh, yeah, you very, know, bad guy, very much does. Mm -hmm. um, you know, secret uh, base and everything. It's very colorful. And, um, this lavish Hollywood production. And uh, another thing they do with this film is they wanted to make it, they didn't just want to go after the Chinese audience. You know, they knew Bruce Lee was popular, but they didn't know how popular he was going to be, you know, everywhere. So they went and casted a very eclectic group of actors to appeal to everyone. Uh, they got John Saxon, mm -hmm. who was known as being a good character actor at the time. Um, I think before this, he was in some of the Italian horror flicks. Right after this, he does Black Christmas and then, of course, Nightmare on Elm Street, mm -hmm. you know, later on. And uh, he's actually, I believe he studied some form of martial arts. He's actually pretty decent in the movie. Mm -hmm. And then they got Jim Kelly, uh, who plays uh, Williams in this film. Uh, he's an African-American and they just stumbled upon this guy. They found him in a dojo uh, practicing and... Because of how successful this movie was and how liked he was, and he's actually a pretty decent actor, you actually, know, for what I, he is. I like him in the film quite a bit. Yeah, so he got a, a big deal with uh, Warner Brothers to make uh, black exploitation kung fu movies. So he was in movies like uh, Black Belt Jones and Three the Hard Way. So, movie does an interesting thing in putting all sorts of races out there. Which, this is something you're going to see later on, you know, in fight films and uh, fighting games. You know, you, you always have a diverse cast of characters. Uh, somebody that everyone can relate to. Um, but yeah, the, the film's a lot of fun. What are your initial thoughts? I feel like I just uh, had verbal diarrhea. No. You said what needed to be said. <laughs> now, uh... So, yeah, I, I like this film. Have um, you seen it before? I'd see... Uh, you know, watching... I, I remember... 
um, back in probably my late teenage years, we have a friend by the name of Kirby, mm-hmm. and uh, he was a big Bruce Lee fan, and I'm pretty sure he had me borrow all these films when we were younger. So, what's what's the one with... Isn't Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in one of the films? Game of Death. That's Game of Death. Okay, so I know I've seen that then. So, um, so yeah, I, I've seen this before, but it's been... Uh, 15, 20 years in that area. So, I mean, I, I remember tiny bits. Okay. Um, so, um, you know, uh, I think, um, you know, it's been long enough where I, you know, don't remember it. So, uh, I had a good time watching it. Um, solid film. I think it, for me personally, it dragged just a little bit in the first half. But once uh, they get to the tournament and start fighting, like, I was definitely very much engaged with it. Um, I think it's got very good... Uh, uh, action set pieces. Um, I I think the fighting is very well shot, and um, yeah, I was engaged. Awesome. Um, yeah, I like this movie a lot. Uh, just to you know, get it out there how we watched it. I uh, I had the old DVD set, and for whatever reason, the, the disc wasn't working. So I went ahead and bought the 40th anniversary Blu-ray, which the picture looks wonderful. Um, I've recently seen this film in 35 millimeter, like within the last year year and a half oh, nice. and the uh the blu-ray is actually a very faithful representation of um the 35 millimeter print uh the coloring is spot on uh you know it's got the proper amount of grain it looks great uh and it's got a bunch of new special features on there uh it is uh, missing one special feature which is really popular um that was on the two disc original one it's uh bruce lee a warrior's journey it's a documentary that was produced by, I believe, AMC uh, back in the late 90s. And it was about, um, you know, him and his methodology. And uh, uh, it has the uncut footage of Game of Death, what he shot for it. So, okay. like, the full-length fight scenes for each floor. So, if you are interested in just, you know, seeing Bruce Lee's choreography and like how great of an athlete he is and, you know, the athleticism of the people he would work with that documentary is worth checking out just for the last 45 minutes of footage, but it's great. Um, it's not on the Blu-ray set, the 40th anniversary, but it is on the earlier Warner brothers release. The picture quality for the movie itself though, is not going to be as good. Um, also you can find that documentary on YouTube. Okay. More word salad for you. Uh, I, I, I thought the Blu-ray looked really good. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I agree with what you have to say. Of course, I haven't seen on 35 millimeter, so I only have the, what I've seen on Blu-ray. So. Yeah. They, they played it at the Alamo. So it was a lot of fun, man. Great. Nice. Uh, what do you love about this movie? All right. So I know you're a big fan of this movie. I am a big fan of this movie. Uh, I, I like all of the Bruce Lee movies. I, I don't think this movie has the best fight scenes in out of his movies, but I feel like the Hollywood sheen behind this film elevates it above some of his other films. Um, he still gets a big thing about his movies was getting like his uh, philosophy across, and you see it in this movie. He has the speech with the uh, the kid, you know, the pupil very early on right. about. Uh, you know, moving like water and not to think, but to feel. Mm-hmm. Um, in all of his movies, he has, you know, like in Return of the Dragon with, uh, you know, Chuck Norris, he's losing that fight in the Coliseum. But then once he switches his style from traditional uh, um, 
I can't even think what he originally did. It's, uh, you know, those It Man films. Sure. Um, but uh, he switches the style to, you know, the Jeet Kune Do, the form without, you know, form or whatever, no style. Mm-hmm. So he's able to, you know, beat Chuck Norris because he's improvising. Um, and that was his big thing. A lot of people, you know, consider him like one of the fathers of mixed martial arts yep. because he got away from, you know, the styles that were so regimented in martial arts at that time. Um, you know, he, he was all about, you know, if you need to bite somebody to win, you bite them. So do what you got to do. huh? Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, and I love like Tyson. I, well, that's, uh, listen, Holyfield had it coming. He was headbutting him the whole fight <laughs> and it wasn't being called. You would know more than me. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I love the production design of this film. It's got a really wonderful color palette and I love all the actors in it. Like John Saxon, he is one of my favorite, just like smaller name international stars like anytime he pops up in a movie like i'm for it i think he's a great actor yeah he's really good in this as well i I, I liked him yeah um i and i just i like the style of the film i i think it's a it's a lot of fun um and bruce lee he's so charismatic and he's basically a superhero in this movie yeah um he and i mean i guess we'll we'll get into it in a bit but maybe that could be seen as a flaw because at no point is he ever in any real danger. That's true. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, let, let's get into you know breaking down um, the movie. The the very first uh, fight, you probably don't know the dude, but uh, Sambo Hung is the guy he's sparring with when they're wearing the black um, okay. trunks. I just called him a bigger, bigger bodied man. Yeah. So Sambo Hung's like a very famous dude. Uh, he often collaborated with Jackie Chan, which Jackie Chan is in this movie. Yeah, um, yeah, he's very uh, small. Yeah, role. yeah, he's uh, one of the bad guys that gets knocked around in one of the uh, the fights under the lair. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Sammo Hung had a run on a popular, I say popular, it ran for a few years, a CBS show called Martial Law. Um, but show. yeah, he, he's been in a lot of movies. Um, he's very famous internationally. Um, and this fight scene's pretty awesome, and it kind of reflects like what we would get 30 years later, you know, with UFC, you know, with the gloves and uh, trunks and stuff. Any thoughts about, like, this opening uh, from here up until we meet I'm, the other characters? So I'm going to disagree a small bit on this opening. Not that there's probably some very things on that. I, I was a little uh, disoriented on this opening fight scene uh, from all the close-up shots. And I was kind of rolling my eyes a bit because I thought... We were going to be in for a lot of this type of fight scenes throughout the film. Luckily, this is really the only fight scene that has a lot of these close-up tight mm-hmm. shots. I'm sure there's probably some reasoning for it that I haven't latched onto, but I I was a little concerned opening the film with this fight scene. But as it goes on, kind of veers away from this the way this fight is shot, which I you know was quite happy about. But yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah. Uh, but as far as what you said, I, I agree with with what you had to say there that that that's very interesting about the usc stuff uh for sure yeah so we've we've got that opening scene he has kind of an enlightening conversation with his sensei here at the beginning Mm -hmm. um and kind of this is it kind of pretty quickly gets into kind of what's going to be happening in the film um so he has this conversation that we find out there's a man named han um who has uh kind of left their uh, I don't. What do you, What do you call what they're? 
And you say dojo. D- yeah, dojo. Left that. Um, and uh, he's lost and uh, needs to restore honor. And so Han, I guess, throws a tournament is what we uh, are come to find out. And Lee is asked to uh, go to his tournament, which is on an island. You know, that's kind of what we find out a little bit. Han was a Shaolin monk from Lee's temple. Uh, now he is a renegade. There's some really cool stuff in this opening. Um, Bruce Lee, which his character's name is Lee in the movie. Right. I like the exchange with his student. Emotional content. Mm-hmm. And I, I really like Bruce Lee's uh, line delivery in this movie. I feel that, like, every time he says a thing, it feels like the most important thing that could be said by a person at that moment. Like, it just... Like, the, it just lingers on the words. I don't yeah. know if you know what I'm talking no, about. No, I mean, I, but... I wrote some of these quotes down, too. Like, you just said, need emotional content, not anger. Don't think, feel. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, there's some good stuff there. Uh-huh. It. What do you think about just the prospect of... Because there's, like, a white general dude who comes in and tasks Lee... Right. A martial artist with taking on a secret agent mission. It is very much a, a James Bond-type film. <laughs> Like uh-huh. you said earlier, especially you get that with, I think, Han's character at the end, He, which we will talk about, but he has a disfigurement of sorts yeah. and uses some interesting weapons. But, um, you know, he, he's very much a Bond-type villain mm-hmm. as well, and the whole setup is kind of a Bond feel to it. But, uh, yeah, um, yeah, I was, I will, you know, not having much context for the film going into it, um, I was a little thrown off on how Americanized it was mm. um, just because, you know, I, you know, I didn't read up or anything. I now, just put the movie in and went. The film so. is shot in Hong Kong mm-hmm. with a Chinese crew, mm-hmm. but it's Warner Brothers, you know, their right. producers, yep. their director. Yeah, and the, the film is in English. And Bruce Lee, for all of his films, even this one, he is very hands-on. Like, he... I, I would say he himself is an auteur, you know, mm-hmm. he is getting his message across, his vision. Sure. Uh, he choreographs everything that's in the film himself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Robert Klaus is just there to yeah. make sure the lighting's right and point the camera in the right spot. Very nice. Which maybe I'm discrediting him some, but... Well, I, I you know, I would... I, I, I agree. I, I think you uh, you have enough knowledge that... I, of just, I, I agree with you. I mean... um, So... Okay, what do you think of, uh, you get all these vignettes leading up to us leaving for uh, Han's Island. So the first vignette you get is uh, Lee's sister is attacked by Han's henchman. Yeah. Um, I don't have her name down, but she's a, a pretty famous uh, martial artist and, you know, the Hong Kong films at that time. But uh, they're threatening to rape her and she kills herself. Yeah, so... Uh... Her name in the film, uh, uh, Su Lin, is her name. Uh, she, that's her character in the film. She's played by An- uh, Angela Miao, Mao, M A O, um, and yeah. So she only has this one scene, mm-hmm. but it is fantastic. Yeah, it's shot it's really well, really well done. Um, she's basically a backstory or, or a story is being told to. Lee about what has happened to his sister uh-huh. and basically that Han's men uh, went after her, um, chased chased her down. She was basically, I don't know, I think they were probably looking to, I, 
they they mentioned something early on in the film about how uh, Han had been trafficking ladies, filling them with drugs. Yes. And I'm, my guess is they were going to do the same thing with her. Right. She fights instead of just letting it happen. And she does a very decent job at it. She is able to hold them off for a little bit, but sadly she does get caught and yes, she is killed. So, but anyway, a really good scene. And I, I wish she could have been in the film more because I think she's got a very good screen presence in that, uh, in, in that set piece. So, um, so what do you think of the, uh, Kurosawa style of inter, like, um, introducing these characters to the film? Mm -hmm. Um, each, each character, you see them as they're approaching the boat. Right. And then you get like a flashback into mm -hmm. their backstory. So John Saxon, uh, who plays Roper, um, we see him on a golf course and there's yep. these like uh, loan sharks that are after him and he does the karate. Yep. <laughs> fights him off. So you find out like, okay, this is a suave, you know, money guy, um, kind of a huckster. And, you know, he's fighting for money. That's what he's in it for. Um, and then you get, uh, the Jim Kelly, uh, who plays Williams and in his, um, vignette, you see that they don't really give a reason. Like he, he leaves his dojo and right. then is, uh, the victim of racism. Yeah. He's, he's confronted by police officers. Um, we don't really know why other than, like you said, might be racism. Um, he I, I assume you know, it's racism. Yeah. He, he takes them down, steals their car and he's like. F this, I'm headed to the island. But he was going to the island anyway, so, like, we don't really... I mean, I guess it's just a, you know, the the whole invite, it's, you know, looking for the best martial artists in the world. Um, I assume the reason he's doing this is to recruit people, which we see later on in the film. Sure. You know, he wants to have the best people working for him. Yeah. Um, we, we also find out, after both of their stories are kind of told real quick we find out that roper and williams actually knew each other yeah they fought nom together mm -hmm. i believe um so uh we kind of get that at the same time we're also met with a third person by the name of parsons uh he's from new zealand uh-huh um and he doesn't have the biggest role in the film but he's kind of on that boat with them as well and we just kind of get like a little side story of him uh also during the same time like when they're all getting on this boat to head to Hong, Hong Kong. Um, there's, um, or I'm sorry, they're in Hong Kong. They're getting ready to go to the Island. Yeah. Hong's there's, Island. This, uh, there's this very beautiful wide shot of the pier in Hong Kong and, uh, just, yeah, gorgeous. Just want to throw that out there. Um, yeah. Anything else you got on this, uh, opening here? No. Um, I mean, we started talking about the boat. Um, do, did you like the opening? Cause you said that you felt like it dragged. It dragged a little bit for me. Just, just the setup. What, like did the I'm vignettes? talking about the, no, uh, mainly the first like 15, 20 minutes. Oh, like, okay. Once it got to this stuff, I was pretty much interested. It okay, just took so... me a little bit to get into Lee's character and the whole of them telling you what's getting ready to happen. You were really put off by the first fight. Yeah. And you didn't like them explaining... Right. You know, like, the briefing. Sure. But once all this kind of got put in front, I, uh -huh. I was really on board from then on. Okay. So, um, we're on the boat. Uh, you get a really funny scene where this, like, a-hole is uh, just picking fights with people. He's tripping yeah. um, all the, you know, workers and stuff. Yeah, Mr. And, Parsons here. Yeah, he's asking, you know, for people to fight. And, uh, you know, Bruce Lee has a wonderful exchange with him. Mm -hmm. And he, 
he's like, you know, well, we don't have enough room to fight here. Um, but if you want to see my style, we'll go out to that island. Yeah, they've got a little boat connected to their big boat. And yeah. So let, let's get on that and we'll go off. So, yeah, he gets on this dinghy and, uh, you know, uh, Lee lets him go. And uh, he gives the rope to the people this guy's been tormenting. <laughs> and they just kind of, you know mess with him yeah it's pretty funny so yeah they actually don't fight for parsons he just gets stranded on this boat also during this uh little scene here too when when this scene opens we have a, a praying mantis battle which yeah is pretty crazy yeah um yeah that you kind of get introduced to the idea that uh everybody's betting on which praying mantis is yeah roper is kind of like leading these mm -hmm. bets and um it's kind of like um foreshadowing for like what's going to go on later at the tournament yeah no for sure so all that's good and uh, again I, like you said I, I really like uh lee just being a trickster there on uh mr parsons pretty good stuff <laughs> so we get to haunts island um you get introduced to a bunch of like these side characters uh there's the dragon lady yeah um who's like the mistress of the island a lot of training going on when we get there a lot of training um it's like han has his own school you know, there, yeah. uh, it, it's very weird. Uh, you would think like, if you were going to an Island that, uh, like to see a dojo there and you know, like all these students and stuff like, well, you know, what's going on here? What is the purpose of this tournament? But nobody really questions. No, it. that's true. Um, yeah. you know, the audience already has the inside scoop because of, you know, Lee's briefing. So, right. uh, I, I, no need for intrigue. Right. Uh, we have uh, a lady named, uh, Tanya played by Anna Capri. Um, who is uh, taking all the guests to their rooms, like, who are fighting. And it, it's kind of interesting. Uh, she's taking them and basically offering up women to each of them. Um, which woman would you like tonight? Before this scene, mm -hmm. what did you think of the banquet scene? Oh, yeah. that uh, That's one of my favorite scenes, actually. So in the that film. sequence is Buffet copied party. In every every single movie where there is a tournament or anything, like, this sequence is copied. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't matter what. You always see, like, before the, the fights start or before the competition begins, there's a banquet scene. The fattening of the cow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you get uh, a sumo fight in there. You yep. get, uh, you know, Han comes out and has a display with his women. Makes you his know, entrance. Yeah, shooting, you know, darts and stuff. And it's kind of funny, you know, talking about Mortal Kombat later. Like, it is almost scene for scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I liked it a lot. And I, like, all the food they were eating, I was like, that looks good. The uh -huh. only person who's kind of upset of at it is Williams. Right. He's like... How am I supposed to eat this? Right. And I'm like, dude, come on. That looks great. It does look great. Yeah, all the, <laughs> of the pigs and everything. It looks delicious. Yeah, it looks like a really good time. Yeah, so all that shot really well. Uh, the set's amazing. A uh, lot of colors. Very pretty. Uh, uh, so, yeah, we'll get down to this whoring scene. Yeah, so... <laughs> yeah, ladies are, are brought for each of, of the guys and um, basically... They're uh, all... Uh, so Williams is first. Brought a lady to choose from, yeah. And he chooses five ladies, Yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And he's like, you know, forgive me if I forgot anyone, but it's been a long day and yeah. I'm very tired. <laughs> it's played for laughs. Right, right. Um, and then uh, they go to Lee and, uh, you know, he picks out a lady that was at the uh, 
you know, the event, uh, somebody who is not uh, one of the, mm-hmm. the whores right. uh, presented to him. And you find out, like, this woman is an undercover agent. Yeah, she was... Get the scoop. I, I should admit, she was mentioned early in the film. Uh, his sensei says that we have a lady who's undercover there. Um, her name in the film is Mia Ling, played by Betty Chung. And yes, uh, so we meet her. Um, and like you said, she is an undercover agent. And uh, she's there to help out Mr. Lee. So last, we get, uh, you know, John Saxon Roper... Uh, picking out ladies, and he's like, I already picked mine, mm-hmm. and he hooks up with that maitre d'. Yeah, the, the the like a pimp. Yeah, Tanya. Yeah, yeah. Heck yeah, you like that power move? I did. It was. A lot he's of, the man. A lot of strength showed by him right there. So after this, we get into the tournament, the fights. Um, what what did you think of? Uh, do you have anything leading up to this? Um, no, I, I'm good here. I mean. Right, right before the the tournament. I mean, we get these kind of interesting morning rituals going on. Um, I I was trying to uh, figure out the scheming of the outfits uh, because when we first get this, uh, Lee comes to the tournament not in a uniform, right? Um, but he's in black. Um, also, it seems like there's a lot of guys in white outfits. Uh huh. And there's a few in yellow. I was of the the thought when the tournament started that only the guys in yellow were competing for the tournament. Obviously, that's not true because later we see guys who are dressed in white that are competing. What are your thoughts? Is is there any significance to the yellow? Why are they wearing yellow? Like Roper and Williams. um, I know that they're... Here's what I imagine. I imagine the yellow are people who are not of the island. So it's like potential uh, people to hire. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's fair. Um, and they want Lee to wear that, but he refuses. And I assume, um, you know, the 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 gi he's wearing, it's you uh, maybe representative of his temple or you know something yeah. like so, he's wanting to keep everything pure right. that he's not you know a part of this. I do find it interesting as well, like, um, and maybe this is just uh, the difference between the east and west, but like, you know, when you think about westerns. For instance, uh-huh. we always are taught the guys in black are usually bad. Right. In this film, it's interesting because Lee starts off in black. He changes to white. And if I remember right, at the end of the film, back to black again. Yes. And so the color sequence is a bit changed. I find that to be interesting. Well, yeah. Um, you know, for, for an athlete, black is going to be uh, more uh, flattering. That's true. That's very true. Not that Bruce Lee needs it. Right. No, I I, I just... I, I, there's probably no significance to that. I just... Something I no, thought about. No, I mean, about. it is interesting. Uh, obviously, you know, for martial arts, they use colors to distinguish, you know, right. rank and, uh, you know, like belts and stuff. Sure. We, we really do not know that much about martial arts. Um, yeah. We, I know we, I don't. We will watch, <laughs> you know, the occasional uh, MMA fight and... Uh, you know, we love the martial arts movies, but we don't know anything about them. Yeah, very true. So, you know, if there's a significance behind any anything greater than what we're, yeah. you know, pondering, um, you know, bad job by us. Yeah, if we didn't do our research like we should have, maybe. Uh, but it's all good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the tournament kind of starts here. Our, our first uh, battle, as far as I can tell, our, our first match here is between Williams and Parsons. Mm-hmm. So Parsons, the big talker here. Yeah, 
Williams beats the shit out of him. Williams destroys him. Yes. So very good start. For Jim her. Kelly, pretty fun to watch. He was, I think he's a good fighter. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and he, I think he is a black belt. Okay. You know, like I said, they found him in a dojo. He's not an actor. That's really cool. Yeah, he looks great. Uh, so right after that, uh, then we get Roper. He gets his first fight. Yeah, and you you see that they start gambling on the fights, mm-hmm. and uh, you having get some this, fun with it. Yeah, you get this funny bit. There's this older Chinese man, which like is he part of the island? Like, why is he gambling? Right. Yeah, it doesn't make sense, but it's really funny, and yeah. um, he kind of looks like token, like what. What a white audience would think like token Asian character is in a movie, mm-hmm. um, you know, glasses with the little goatee thing. Yeah, and uh, you know, Roper starts gambling with him on Williams' fight, and then they kind of reverse it when Roper's up. Yeah, and to like get the odds better, uh, Roper has to take a few falls. Right, so yeah. he gets the crap kicked out yeah. of him, and it's really funny because. And I here's the thing: I don't understand the rules of the tournament. Because yeah, they're really not uh, laid out. They're not playing for, you know, to the death, but also it seems like it doesn't matter how many times you knock a person down because Roper goes down, what, like four or five times? Yeah. It's all played for laughs. Yeah. Um, and then once they get the betting odds, they like, Roper destroys this guy. Yeah. Yeah. And he just knocks him down once, but it's over because right. the guy's like knocked out. Yeah, and I, if I remember right, in the, in the Parsons and Williams fight, I feel like Parsons maybe got knocked down three times and uh-huh. then it's over. So yeah, the, which I think that might be what it is at real tournaments. I would think so, but yeah. Either way, you know, it's fine. Roper wins. Yeah. Um, and right after his winning, I mean, we get straight to a uh, scene where he is getting a massage with feet. Yeah, the sex and nudity in this movie is played very light and kind of, you know, for laughs and just fun. Um, it's not, it's not like, too exploitive, but it, you can tell it's kind of just thrown in there because, you know, this is an R-rated action movie and this is kind of what our audience expects. Like, they expect to see a boob. Yeah. I wrote TNA action for Williams. He has a couple ladies in his room. Feeling good. Yeah. Doing his thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they, they play that up like, you know, he's got this massive libido. It's pretty funny. But, uh, you know, from that, he decides to go out and get some air. They tell him it's against the rules that they have to stay in their rooms. But, mm-hmm. you know, he goes out and does it anyway. He's not rules. too concerned. Yeah. But at the same time, Lee is going on his first infiltration mission. Yeah. Trying s- to figure out what's going on. Doing some easy sneaking. So he sneaks in and sees the... Uh, you know, the factory, and then he leaves, you know, quickly. Uh, you get this, like, silly scene where he, like, jumps directly into a tree. Yeah. Which, again, you know, superhero powers. <laughs> um, but he beats up a few guards, and then Williams is blamed for this. Yeah. Uh, later on. So, they, the guards, you know, fail. So, they have this, like, big character. Um, Bolo. Yeah. Not to be confused with Goro. Um, no, Bolo is my man. We'll so, talk about him. Yeah, so Bolo, Bolo played by a actor whose actual first name is Bolo, Bolo Young. Yeah, so this guy's freaking impressive. He is a bodybuilder, martial arts guy. Like he is massive, and he there's this really cool scene where he all these guards for punishment have to fight him and. Because they didn't do their job. They yeah. let uh, guys get out and, and easy sneak around all night. Yeah, so Bolo, like, so destroys all of them. Like, mm-hmm. he's kicking dudes' heads in, like, doing the leg twist thing where he breaks their necks. And he takes one guy and, like, picks him up like a baby 
and smashes him together. Yeah. It was, yeah. Pretty brutal. Rough go for that dude. Yeah. So uh. that, that scene's pretty awesome. Um, and then that leads into, uh, we get Lee's first fight, right? Yes. So Lee fights Ohara, who is the, the big white bad guy. He's got a scar on his face yeah. from the sister cut yeah. him. He is ultimately the man that killed his sister. Yeah. And you get this wonderful line. Um, cause Ohara coming out like a douche, like just brings boards and punches through him. And then like trying to look like a badass, and mm-hmm. Lee's he just goes, boards don't hit back. That's right. It's freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. And then the Lee O'Hara fight, um, every freaking move that Bruce Lee does in this fight is in a video game. Like, what what did you think of this? Oh, I love this fight. So you get um, of course, like the highlight of it's probably the the big like uh the flip kick, right? Right? Mm-hmm. So that, you see, like, that is a video game move. Sure. Um, in every, like, fighting video game, and I'm only talking about this because I feel it's re- relevant to our next movie, um, they all have, like, the Bruce Lee rip-off character, and they all do the, this move set from this movie. Mm-hmm. So he has this, you know, big flip kick that's amazing. Um, he also has this really cool move. Where he, like, drops on his back and, like, kicks in the air. Yeah. And, like, hits him, like, right in the dick. That's right. Boom. O'Hara really doesn't didn't, doesn't stand a chance in this fight. That, you know, that's he the thing, the though. beats the hell out of him. Everybody, Bruce Lee destroys everybody in this movie. Mm-hmm. At no point do you feel like he's in danger. That's true. Which you could say that's kind of critic like, a, a criticism of the movie because... You know, you you do want to see like our hero overcome adversity, and in this, it's like nobody could beat this guy ever. Yeah, I'll be honest, I was fine with it just because. Oh, I I am too. I like, I like the 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 thought of just having a character actually being so good that no one can touch him. Uh huh. Because you, while you said what you said is true. We usually don't get a type of movie like this where you see a character portrayed as such an invincible force. Yeah, and he's so charismatic. So the O'Hara fight, O'Hara doesn't even hit him. Uh, He gets frustrated and, like, breaks the glass and, you know, is trying to stab him. Um, So in that sequence, a urban myth got started because of this fight. Okay. Uh, What happened uh, when he goes to stab him? Bruce Lee tells him, like, stab at me with full force, um, you know, because he does that kick to disarm him. Yep. Um, so he does, and when Bruce goes to kick, his hand is up, and the glass goes right through his hand. Oh, yeah. And I, I couldn't see it, but I guess it's the footage that's used, and, you know, he disarms him and stuff. And so there's this big rumor that came out that, you know, the guy who plays O'Hara actually had, like, a rivalry with Bruce Lee <laughs> and didn't like him and cut him on purpose. Oh, man. Which isn't true. Okay. But, you know, kind of interesting urban myth stuff coming out of that. Yeah, very nice. Um, yeah, that's good. Uh, so basically, O'Hara, he... Lee gives him a chance after he basically defeats him to yeah. like be like, okay, match over. Mm-hmm. And also Han his, you know, is kind of like, you know, you should stop. Yeah. But like he is such a, 
uh, character that, uh, I guess... Egotistic. Very egotistic. Yeah, that's a good word for it. And he doesn't stop, and Lee ends up killing him. Yeah, you get the... And this is a pretty famous thing. Like, Lee does the double stomp on him Mm -hmm. with the twist of the feet, and he it's the very long take on his face Mm -hmm. in slow motion, where he's like... Yep. You know, um, mm-hmm. that that's a pretty famous scene. Right. Um, but yeah, he, he kills him dead. Yeah. Uh, then we get the, the meeting with uh, Williams yeah. and Han. Han and Williams. Han accuses him of, uh, you know, being yep. the guy that beat up his guards. Yep. And uh, Han has his men fight him. He takes him down. Williams does. Yeah, he has a really good line there. Um, Williams does. Uh, when Han's talking about what he's going to do, Williams goes, you come right out of a comic book, mm-hmm. which I think is funny because yes, yes, yeah, he does. Basically. Uh, yeah. After, after he beats his um, guards there, uh, Han, actually, we see him fight for the first time uh-huh. and him and Williams have a fight. This is one of my favorite set pieces right here. The set design, uh, the colors are gorgeous. Yeah. A lot of reds and purples. Uh, there's a lot of uh, ladies sitting and watching, laughing at, as Williams gets the hell beat out of him. Because they're all on drugs. It's true. They're all on drugs. Well, all filled then. with drugs. Opium. Um, I really like this uh, this set piece quite a bit. Does uh, does it do... Because the reason this scene exists is to build Han up as a credible badass mm-hmm. who could threaten our protagonist. Does that scene accomplish this for the you? The scene worked for me. Because yeah. we've already established that Williams is a good fighter. Uh-huh. And we see how easily that Han takes him down. He beats him to death with his mm-hmm. hand. And then you get the great reveal where he takes his glove off. Yeah. And you see it's a metal hand. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I found it to be quite affecting. Um, so right after that, um, they take Roper into the den of where the drugs are being made. And you kind of figure out what Han's plan is. That he's trying to get all these fighters from all over the world uh, recruited so yep. they can push his drugs where they're from. Yep. So he, you know, shares this with uh, Roper that, uh, you know, you're going to peddle my shit. Yep. Um, and then shows him his friend's, you know, William's body. Uh, it's kind of a nasty reveal. He's hanging in chains. It's pretty gruesome. Yeah, his body's just like lifeless hanging on these chains it's pretty disturbing yeah they they dump him in yeah and obviously he's already dead Uh, right but yeah they and just he's hanging above this pool of water and then they just dump his body down there and and he's done yeah so yeah you know you get the sinister stuff going on and then um you get lee's second uh secret you know mission which i think is one of the standout scenes in the film um, he goes in there, they, they find, he finds a snake yeah. in front of the, uh, the chamber this time. Yep. So he I captures a, it. Uh, a cobra. Yes. And, uh, you get this great scene where he infiltrates and, uh, he slaps the cobra and puts it in the guards room. That's right. To scare them away. They got, they got freaked out as, uh, I know I would have, um, the, uh, the guards, uh, they kind of just, just get out of there so fast <laughs> but this this sequence um you know all like what 10 minutes of it mm-hmm. this is really the showcase for bruce lee showing what he can do right. uh he whoops like 20 stunt dudes uh yeah. including jackie chan and it, it's everything from uh you know Jikundo to uh you know at one point he's uh stick fighting yeah i don't know about you i, I mean this is a 
pretty easy um, comparison and influence here. But, uh, you know, this I think especially, like, there's, there's a time where... Uh, all these guards kind of like come out of this elevator. Uh-huh. I think of like Old Boy. Um, oh yeah, and uh, the elevator scene there. N- now that's a shot in a different way, but I'm just talking about um, basically that thought of all these guards coming against one person. At, at right, once. kind and, of like you. You see the odds are like overwhelming. Right, and then they add to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's pretty cool, and it's a it's a good show. You know, from the the character to show what he can do. Yeah, um, it's pretty impressive. Uh, yeah, and a lot of the stuff in this scene is, um, you know, iconic. You know, when they think of Bruce Lee, they think of this scene. Yeah. You know, him ripping the jumpsuit down. Right. Um, and just freaking destroying yeah. people. He's got a stick at one point. He has some nunchucks at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just, just tearing away, man. So, yeah, I, I was really into this stuff. It was really good. So, the scene ends where he finds himself in, like, a trap room, and he does the... Uh, the Qui-Gon Jinn thing from Phantom Menace where he just sits down like he's going to meditate, you know, because he can't do anything else. Um, then, you know, Han, you know, comes out there and he's like, you're impressive and right. blah, blah, blah. Uh, bad guy bullshit. Mm-hmm. And then you cut to back to the tournament where yep. Lee is out there and it's like he's going to get his punishment and Han orders Roper to kill him. He does, yep. And Roper's like, I'm not going to do that. And you find out earlier on, which I guess we should have gone back to, we should have talked about this in regards to, like, the James Bond villainy stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, During that scene uh, where he, Han and Roper are talking, uh, Han tests him by putting a cat in a guillotine. That's right. And (laughs) he's got a white cat with him, like Blofeld does. In, you know, the James Bond movies, and he's carrying it around, you know, like that evil villain thing. Yep. Um, and Roper won't kill the cat. You know, he lets the cat go. Um, yes. And you come to find out the guillotine's not a real guillotine. It, uh, you know, is a secret elevator. Right. But uh, the, it, the, this scene's a callback to that where, you know, Han's like, you do have your limits. And Roper is like, no, I'm not going to, you know, fight him. Um, but... Bolo comes out to fight Lee and Roper steps in. Uh, this is one of my favorite fights in the movie. Yeah, this is a good fight. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm pouring. No, my, you're uh, good, man. Um, natural light lemonade right now. Oh, gross. Uh, <laughs> so Bolo is just so freaking impressive. And I think this scene is like, it, it's a standout to show John Saxon off. Cause I think his fighting in this film is actually fairly impressive. Like, yeah, he I, looks competent. He does. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's a good fight. There's actually stakes there because, you know, Roper is not invincible like Lee is. Right. And he ends up uh, taking Bolo. Yeah, I, I was at, at this point in the film, you know, I, I was expecting, again, since it's like I've already mentioned, I haven't seen this movie in many uh-huh. years and I don't remember a lot of it. I was expecting Roper to die at this point just ah. because we've already seen... Um, Williams die and how susceptible he was. So uh-huh. I felt like I was surprised actually when Roper didn't die uh, after him and Han had met. Kind of like I thought he was going to have the same hmm. sort of fate as Williams. Another thing I read um, originally in the script, Roper was supposed to die and Williams was supposed to live. Oh, wow. But John Saxon wouldn't sign on to the film unless it was reversed. <laughs> 
That's ridiculous. <laughs> but awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's good. John Saxon, Ultimate Coxman. Yeah. So, yeah, Roper and Bolo fight. Um, I just write Bolo is stacked and jacked. Yeah, he's awesome. Uh, he is a special effect in of himself. Uh, I did have a note here. Music is awesome. What do you think of the score for this film? Yeah, this it had... Uh, no, I liked it. It, it was good. Um, it's it's different. I, something I, I wasn't quite expecting. Um, it's kind of got like a funk. A funky, yes. But oriental uh, sounds it's, put It's kind in of a, there. a mix of different uh, infusions going on. Yeah, I liked it. It was good. Yeah. Um, and while we're talking about like the production and everything, like how well do you think Warner... I, I don't know how fresh in your mind it is, but... Uh, like, how well do you think Warner Brothers did at producing, like, a Shaw Brothers-type movie? Like, oh, a Hong Kong no, film? No, I, I, I think they did a very um, respectful I, I, I felt like they, um... Like, this film speaks in the same language, uh, visual language, that those films do. You mm -hmm. know, you get, like, those, you know, the wonderful scenes of, uh... And we didn't mention this, but when Bruce Lee's fighting all those stuntmen, and you get that wonderful, um you know, the, the snap zoom mm -hmm. when he breaks the neck, you yeah. know, with the, ha, 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 mm -hmm. um, which, you know, they used, uh, in last year's Mandy, you know, right. Um, that shot, but, and I think that's a very famous shot, you know, for this type of movie. Um, and I just think that visually, you know, for a Hollywood production, it, it did a very good job at capturing that feel. I, I agree. I agree with that. They do a good job. No doubt about it. All right. So, uh, this is where we get the, uh, the boss fight. Yeah, well, while this, so, like, real quick, I was gonna say, while, um, uh, Roper and Bolo are fighting, uh, my Ling goes down and, and releases prisoners yeah. down below, um, the, the, all the ladies all the who are captured, yeah. who have yet to be completely brainwashed. Right, so they're all released, um, so this is a, a joyous moment there, while, uh, Roper... Uh, essentially uh, defeats Bolo, and this is where we get uh, the uh, right after that Lee and Roper kind of fight together against Han's guys, kind of fight them off, um, and then like you said, we get to our kind of final conclusion here. Yeah, so you you get this wonderful fight between uh, Han and Lee, and Lee just dominates him. Han's only chance is by using trickery and his weapons. Yeah. Um, there's there's yeah. some great shots in this fight that I absolutely love. Um, every time I see it, it makes me just go, oh, it's the shot where, I don't know if you remember, but it's like right after, I think, uh, Han breaks the case to get his other weapon hand out. Mm -hmm. And Which, it's him. That second weapon hand's pretty badass. Yeah, the blades. Yeah, so... First we have a claw, then uh -huh. he moves on to like Wolverine like blades. Yeah, because the claw gets stuck in a board. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's him coming around the corner, and Lee does this like not even a roundhouse kick, like like he just flips his leg out like a sidekick. But it looks like you could tell it's not a person. They put a dummy up there and just said, kick the shit out of this. Yeah. And he does. And it looks so vicious. Do you know what shot I'm referencing? I do, yeah. Yeah. It, it looks really good. Yeah. So freaking epic, also, man. I while, love it. While all this is going on, um, also like kind of uh, in, intercutting there is also our prisoners that were just released. Again, this, this color scheme I was talking about, the prisoners are in black. 
and all the guards in white, mm -hmm. uh, they all start fighting each other as well. Yeah. So this that's going on at the same time. I found that to be a little interesting. You got this battle royal. Um, yep. And they called the cavalry, you know, to come in. Um, the secret agent people that hired Lee. Yep. Um, you know, they're on their way. Yeah. Uh, so we know that, you know, in the background. Yep. But uh, you have this fight with Han. And Lee does get clawed a few times. Yeah, he does get clawed. He looks awesome. All cut up. Mm -hmm. um, Twice on the face. Twice on like on the stomach, chest, and I think once on the back. Or yeah, something like that. So then we get this hall of mirrors. Yeah, this is my. This is another. This second or third favorite set piece of this film. This is pretty. Now, great. okay, I'm. When we think hall of mirrors, I think like the go to is Lady from Shanghai because as far as I can think, uh -huh. that's one of the first films to do it. Right. Sure. sure. But I feel like maybe this movie's more influential. With how movies use this set piece now. Uh, mm -hmm. If you think of like a John Wick 2. Right. Um, you know, things that, of that nature. Uh, well, and you, you think too. I mean, obviously Lady from Shanghai is an amazing film. And, right. and it's looked on now much more better by cinephiles. But at the time it came out, I don't think it had the respect as far as, you know, Wells's career is kind of interesting in itself. But, you know, this film would have been... More seen. More seen. Had a bigger audience, obviously. Which, by the way, this movie was a freaking mega hit when mm -hmm. it came out. Uh, you know, it came out right after Bruce Lee died. So that was, you know, in the public's mind. And, uh, you know, they, they had the movie premiere. They they threw a Hong Kong style uh, mm -hmm. parade, you know, when it premiered at the, uh, the Grauman's Chinese Theater. And uh, this movie did, I think it was like 70 or 80 million domestic. Uh -huh. Which if you think about that now for inflation... Like, you're talking, like, almost Marvel movie numbers. Like, this movie, I think for inflation, they said it would be, like, five or six hundred million. Man, it was it was Disney in it. Yeah, so, like, this movie was a blockbuster sensation of a hit. Um, you know, and it's kind of sad to think, like, he didn't get to live, live to see, it, mm -hmm. you know, him get that stardom that he so wanted. Sure. Um, but back to this whole Mirrors, man, um, it, it's awesome, uh, and I think that... Yeah, action movies are... I feel like they are referencing this film more so than Lady from Shanghai. Yeah, that's probably true. So, there's uh, one uh, a good uh, quote here that kind of is a, a recall from early in the film uh, where I believe his sensei told him, destroy the image and you will break the enemy. Uh-huh. And so, obviously, uh, Lee starts breaking all the glass to try to figure out where Han is hiding. Mm -hmm. And uh, obviously that helps him finish off Han. Do, are, do you feel like the uh, the kick to a, being impaled, is that a satisfying ending? I was satisfied. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty cool. Um, again, Han is not the most, like, scariest bad guy, especially considering, like, how badass Lee is presented in this film. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think overall it's a satisfying fight made better with uh, wonderful set pieces. Oh, yeah. The set piece really ties it together, for sure. Um, yeah, I enjoyed this end, and Roper and Lee escape. Yeah, Roper sees his lady love was killed in the action. Yeah, bummer. Yeah. And that's how it's presented. It's just, yeah, bummer. Yeah. I mean, John Saxon's acting is good, but... Yeah, you know, really the, the ladies in this film don't have much to do. Um, no, it's a boys flick. It is. Not saying that, that, you know, that's the intention of the filmmaker. I'm just saying in general, right. the, there's not a lot for the ladies to do in this. And that kind of, uh, it's 
it works as, you know, the, the film's told the way it is, but I think there are some talented women working in this film. So yeah, it's sure. a bummer some of them don't get to do a little more. That's yeah. all. Uh, so, final thoughts on this film before we move on. Yeah, I really liked this movie. I think I gave it like three and a half on my letterbox. Um, I think it's a very, very solid film, and I enjoyed watching it and discussing it with you. Would, would you recommend it to people who are interested just in film in general, or like just Bruce Lee enthusiasts, or martial art movie enthusiasts? Like... I would I would recommend this, this movie to anybody um, who likes any type of action film, because... I just for me personally, I'm you know, I, I watch I will watch Kung Fu films. I wouldn't say I am very knowledgeable about a lot of them. I've seen a couple, but like as far as you know, I'm not like I wouldn't say the fighting genre is like one of my go to's or anything like that. Yeah. But I enjoyed myself. You you quite watch a bit. stuff if it like sure. makes waves with, you know, like critically. Yeah, and Or is, if me or Kirby tells you that you need to yeah, watch it. Yeah, watch it. Um, and, and, you know, if you're a fan of just action, I mean, this is very well shot action. And so, you know, whether you like per se Kung Fu flicks or not, I think you're going to have a good time, um, with, with, uh, what this movie has to offer. Well, I, I think, uh, the legacy of this film, you know, obviously lives on it. Uh, it was registered by the national film registry as like, you know, a classic film mm -hmm. and it was, uh, you know, protected and everything. Yeah. Um, so you know, it, it's a considered a landmark, you know, cultural film and, uh, you know, it was absolute hit and phenomenon and, uh, basically informed the way that, uh, you know, these movies are made, you know, this subgenre. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm glad you picked it because like I said, I hadn't seen it in many years and are you interested to go back and watch his other movies? Sure. I mean, I'm not opposed to it. Um, I, I think he's a very charismatic screen presence, mm -hmm. and I think he's a very talented actor. So, I mean, as far as... I don't like his action, obviously, and, and his uh, technique, but, like, I think he's a pretty good screen presence Yeah, as I do, well. too. Um, his so, line delivery is really good. I think he probably... Had he lived, I think he would have been one of the biggest stars in the world. Yeah. Um, one thing I'll just say real quick, this is kind of not about the movie, but just in general... Um, I think it's important to revisit things, um, especially when you haven't seen something in so many years. Um, your opinions can change just as you mature as a person sometimes. Um, and so I think for the, I'm glad I rewatched it because it probably would have been a movie that if you hadn't had to make me watch it, I'm sorry, if you hadn't made me have watched it, I don't know if I would have, not because I disliked it. I just don't know how much... It wouldn't have been on the radar. You know, interest I would have had just, you know. So... Anyway, I'm glad we, we revisited well, and it. So. Again, Bruce Lee is super important. I think he has the same sort of mysticism around him that like a James Dean or Marilyn Monroe. Mm -hmm. You know, people who died before their time. Yeah, um, sure. Um yeah. you know, there's just that uh, you know, fantastical element to him. Yeah. No, for sure, man. Uh, uh good flick. Alright, man. So do you want to get into uh you know, the video game adaptation, Enter the Dragon ripoff? Mortal Kombat from right. 1995. Yeah, let's from get... one of your favorite filmmakers, Paul W.S. I am Anderson. a I am a W.S. Anderson fan. You love him. I'm a big fan of his Resident Evil movies. I'm also a big fan of his first film, Shopping. Um, other than that, uh, I will say uh, just to start things off, this film did not impress me. Now there are some things I liked about it, but there are uh, a lot of crap you got to get through. Yeah. Um. All right, so did you watch this movie as a kid? 
I did. I, I watched it as a teenager. Yeah. Did you like it when you were I remember younger? liking it when I was younger. Well, so, like, this was like a VHS staple for me. Um, you know, I, I think our friend, mutual friend Trevor, you know, he would watch it a lot. Uh, uh-huh. You know, we'd quote the movie and stuff together. And, I like, I love these video games. Uh, I know you were a Sega Genesis boy. Did you have the Mortal Kombat games? Did you okay, play them? So, I did not. Um, I did play them at other people's houses. Were you not allowed? I was not allowed. It was a mature film. Or film. A mature video game. Right. So, I was not allowed to buy those as a kid until I was of age. Yeah. So, sadly, I didn't own them, but I did play them um, with other kids did you like them i did okay now my it would change as i got older because i kind of despise fighting games now mostly because i feel i'm not very good at them and i get frustrated yeah so we and i think you're you're just as good as anybody that doesn't play fighting games normally because mm-hmm. we had a fight night oh like last year sometime. yeah yeah you did pretty well i just i i think Maybe I just get frustrated because, well, first off, if you don't play fighting games on a regular basis, like, you don't know, you've got to have a combination of buttons right. to be able to do power moves, right? Uh-huh. So what I end up doing, because when you're just playing, like, against people, like, you don't take the time to push pause and, like, look at every move because, right. like, dude... Let's just play the game. Yeah, I hate people that do that when you're playing against them. So what basically happens with me is I just start mashing a lot of buttons. Yeah. And sometimes I get random things to work just for the hell of it. But my fingers hurt. And so it pisses me off. Well, your back's going to hurt. Exactly. Landscaping duty. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, I just, like, that's why I, I think that has a big reason why I don't like doing them. Because I've never actually also taken the time to play a fighting game like through like it's always i've always just played against people like i don't own them and i i don't i don't play through them so yeah i have a few quick questions okay so fingers hurt landscaping duty would you rather play fighting games with me all day long or mow the lawn mow the lawn (laughs) (laughs) okay second more serious question so you did play three. Yep. Okay. So, but after that, you were done. Yep. And you probably didn't play a fighting game until, what, like last year? Basically. I mean, I've, I've yeah. You've not dived into any of these, like, modern nope. games. Nope. Okay. So I'm a big Mortal Kombat fanboy. Um, it, I don't know what it is. But the mythology that they've built for this world, I love it. And I've loved it ever since the very first game. Um, You know, I owned all three of them for Super Nintendo, played the hell out of them. Um, And, you know, my my friends, you know, at that time, like Trevor, he was really big into Mortal Kombat. Mm -hmm. You know, that's common ground that we had. Uh, And the great thing is they did it a good job of, like, building a story around these characters through... uh, you know, they had, like, the G.I. Joe action figures. They were, like, right. G.I. joe size Mortal Kombat, and you get them in little blisters, and they'd have, like, the character bios on the back. Um, and then, you know, in the video game, you know, in the player's manual, you'll have a little bit of, like, story tidbits. But the, these games aren't, like, story-intensive. It's, you know, you make a lot of the story based off of, like, the info they give, and you're just filling in the blanks. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just the mythology they built. I, I got really into it. I've played... 
I think every single entry in the series except Armageddon, which was on the Wii and PS2. Okay. Just because I don't think I had those systems when that game came out. But, like, I, I love these games, man. Um, I just finished Eleven, which came out this year. And, you know, thus far I would say it's an early game of the year contender. Oh, I didn't um, know that that's you were playing the new one. Just beat Story Mode last night. I will say the story for Mortal Kombat 11 is just as good as any video game story. It's, it's very impressive. The direction behind it's very good. Like their cinematics and the, like the way they shoot action, they do interesting things. And, you know, the fighting feels great. Uh, this is probably the kindest entry to uh, people who haven't played, you know, before. Uh, the moves are a little bit easier. Not the overly way... difficult. Yeah, combos don't... Uh, at least from what I could tell, like, Mortal Kombat 10, you get to where, like, oh, you just did a 20-hit combo juggle, you know, and, like, you get people trapped in corners and shit, which can't be, you know, that's probably not fun for somebody on the receiving end, uh, but this game seems a little bit more balanced, um, a lot of fun, I'm really enjoying it, and uh, I feel like 9, 10, 11, just a nice, uh, concise story, but, uh, yeah, so if you like Mortal Kombat, check out Mortal Kombat 11. Okay. Well, let's get into the movie, man. Time uh, out real quick. I want you on live air to try a sip oh, of this natural light lemonade. Oh, man. Just to do it. Here he goes. I mean, it's, it's the, fine. It's not the worst thing in the world. No, it kind of tastes like a Lion and Kugel. A little bit. Like one of their fruity drinks. I mean, it's not the worst. All I'm saying is it's not bad for, like... Two cans for a dollar fifty. I don't That's think all I'm saying. That should be a measurement for quality. It should when it's if that you cheap. Can, if you can get two things for a dollar fifty, like that should not be a way to quantify quality. Yeah, but it's good. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> it's cheap, but it's good. You're. I'm just saying that combo should be somewhat of a selling point. That should be. Their like hash, you know, their their ad, right? It's cheap, but it's good. It's cheap, but it's good. Natural light lemonade, strawberry. Lemonade. Cheap, but it's good. Sorry. Paul W. S. Anderson. Yes, this was like his first hit. Yeah, this movie did really well. Yeah, like I mean, I'm sure you remember being a kid. Like this movie yeah. was everywhere. I do. And then there's that song that like didn't they play that song on the radio? It's Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Yeah, they, that played on the radio. Everybody knew that song. Yeah, everybody knew that song. All right, so you have this uh, this cast. Uh, Raiden uh, is Christopher Lambert. Yep. Lambert, actually. Yep. Um, it's just a little inside joke on the Lambert. Mm -hmm. um, so Liu Kang, Robin Shao from, uh, you know, Beverly uh, Hills Ninja, right? Yep. Uh, he's the brother. Great movie. Uh, Shang Tsung is played by Carrie Haruki... Toga Tagawa? I yep. could have butchered his name. Um, the cool thing about that, uh, that actor is playing Shang Tsung in Mortal Kombat 11. So oh. his voice and likeness, which is really cool because he's probably the best part in the movie. Okay. Johnny Cage is played by a guy named Lyndon Ashby. Right. Uh, Sonya Blade. Veronica Vaughn. Yep. So fine. Bridget Wilson. Want to touch the hiney. Yep. Uh, yeah, Bridget Wilson is uh, fun. I like her in this. Yeah, so, uh, what's your initial thoughts on the movie? Oh, you, you said you don't like this movie. I mean, I, I don't, I don't flat out hate it, but I don't think it's great. 
like as a devotee of Paul W. S. Anderson, I would say this is one of his lesser films. I mean, see, and I would say it's one of his better films. I think this is like the same like this is you're looking at like Alien vs Predator. Like it's around the same like. Have you seen that movie? Worthwhile is that? Uh, I have, but it's been many years. Alien vs. Predator is very bad. Uh, that movie's way worse than this movie. Well, I mean, I believe that. I'm just saying, like, for me, this is... that It's on the same frame as far as, like, his, his stuff goes for me. Now, I will say, like, as far as... Like, for Anderson, like, he, you see some of his... Uh, definitely, like, his color patterns that he would use, like... There's some really cool set pieces here. I will say that. Uh-huh. Um, he's known for using, like, green gels. Like, there's a scene early on where that that comes into play. He's known a lot for, like, some of his, like, use of, like, like mazes or, like, these, these patterns. And you get a little of that here, but not like you would later on in some of his films. Like, I just don't feel like... This is like auteur mode Anderson until later his career. But there's some decent stuff here. I just don't love it. I don't know if I would attach auteur to Anderson. Oh, I would, man. All the way. Event Horizon's pretty decent. We covered that. Event Horizon is excellent. Is is now officially Paul W. Sanderson the most covered director on this podcast? I mean, he could be. And maybe he'll Two be, episodes. Maybe he'll be more someday when we talk about the masterpieces of Resident Evil 4 and 5. Oh, man. Um, I haven't seen those films, but uh, those movies are really bad. Wrong. Um, all right. So They're amazing. We're hit with that wonderful dragon icon at the beginning. The song is freaking awesome. This is a good song. You agree with this? I do. Opening credits, killer. The the stuff with uh, at the very beginning with Shang Tsung killing Liu Kang's brother mm-hmm. right after that, that's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, your soul is mine. Yeah. Pretty yeah. awesome. What I have now here written is bad 90s editing with swoosh sounds. Yeah, I mean, there's some bad editing oh, here. There's... I know what this is in regards to the Sonya stuff when she's chasing Kano. Right. Yeah. That club seems really bad. Yeah. It's badly shot. There's also, like, the special effects in this movie are awful. Well, we'll get to that like, in a bit. It's really bad. So, anyway. Yeah, so we start this movie. We, we kind of real fast meet everybody, like Liu Kang... Sonya Blade, Luke Cage. What? Uh, Johnny Cage. Luke Cage is Marvel, bro. I'm sorry. Johnny Cage. Okay. Uh, Hold on now. Yep. I like Johnny Cage's intro. Okay. Do you not? Remind me. Um, He's in a warehouse and he's fighting some dudes and you find out it's a movie set and the stuntman doesn't oh, fall yeah. when he kicks him. And he's like, this is the part where you fall down. Right. You get a line call back nah, later in. I do like that. Um, yeah. I, I think the guy who plays Johnny Cage is pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lyndon Ashby. Jean-Claude Van Damme was offered that role. And he turned it down to do Street Fighter. Which, I should have made you watch Street Fighter. Because you would have a greater appreciation for Mortal Kombat. Hey, I've never Street s- Fighter is hot garbage. I've never seen Street Fighter. It's I've... really bad. I'd be down to watch that someday. Oh, you'll love it. Yeah. Lou, uh, we get, like, we meet Liu Kang, uh, Liu coming back to Hong Kong because of his brother's death, so obviously already yeah. we get a tie-in with Game of Death, or Game of Death, um, Enter the Dragon. Enter the Dragon here, because, uh, both characters have a, a sibling, sibling that has yeah. died. 
Yes. Also, the way they introduce characters. You get a vignette right. before they get to the boat. Yes, we do. Uh, yeah. Um, what else we got here? Uh, we meet uh, very early on. We also meet Lord Raiden. Uh, what do you think of Raiden? I like his look. His look's good. It It is... And the game ripped off Big his, Trouble in Little China. His acting is very stiff to me. Christopher Lambert? Yes. Have you seen The Highlander? No. I like that movie. He's got, like, legit acting chops at times. I hear he's in... Was it Subway? Is that Luc Besson's one of his first films? I believe that's um, That movie's very highly regarded. I haven't seen it, but... Uh, uh, Christopher Lambert's also in uh, the big budget Hollywood adaptation of Tarzan, uh, Greystoke, The Legend of Tarzan. Uh, I really dig that movie. That movie's really freaking killer, and he's great in it. But uh, yeah, as Raiden, he he has some weird character choices. He has this like weird raspy laugh that he does throughout the whole movie. That yeah. <laughs> I feel like maybe I'm wrong. But I feel like they should have got like an older actor to play that part. In the games, Raiden's presented as kind of ageless. Like, okay, he's just okay, that's kind of looks Obviously, like everyone else. I don't else. know these games, so... Yeah, well, he's a thunder god. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, um... Okay. He, he's a lesser god, um, but he is a god. Okay. Invulnerable. So, we get on the boat. Everybody has their introductions. You get some, like, quippy lines and some comedy. And then, uh, we're introduced to Shang Tsung. Yep. And Sub-Zero and Scorpion. Yep. You're not going to know this, but uh, the use of Sub-Zero and Scorpion, I feel, are it's very garbage in this movie. They're very underutilized, and they're not presented as characters. They're literally just uh, props. Yeah, no, I, I get that. Which sucks, because in the games, their stories are probably some of the best. Yeah. I think one of the things that kind of bummed me out about this movie as well is like, I'm used to, as I've mentioned a little bit with Anderson, like, I think he is very playful and also uh, quite interesting with his with his color designs and also his, his like, character and outfit designs. I, I found a lot of the fighters here to be, be very bland and their outfits to be, like, just very vanilla. It's what they look like in the games, though. That's fair. And again, I wouldn't... You know, I don't know that. I just, I just think, personally, I just found it to be a little bland. They do improve that as the games as the go games on. Go, sure, sure. So they make it to uh, Shang Tsung's island. Do you like any of the production design here? Yeah, I think the island looks cool. Yeah, I'm down with it. We're introduced to uh, the worst visual effect ever created, reptile. It, I really do think reptile is the worst use of CGI in a film ever. I think that the CGI in, what the fuck, Arabesque, that animated film from like 1968, where it's just like the lines, mm-hmm. that is more impressive than this bullshit. Yeah. Like, Reptile is complete garbage. He looks like freaking, like a 3DO video game character. Mm-hmm. Why would they do this? This is after Jurassic Park. Yeah, I just, uh, the only thing I really wrote down on this whole CGI thing is, I just put really awful CGI, LOL. And that is my feelings. Like, Reptile looks horrendous. He looks really bad. Can you think of a worse visual effect? I I mean, at, at the top of my head, no. Maybe if I tried hard, I could find something that matches it. But, I mean, it's up there for, like, you know, god-awfulness. Right. 
Um, um, yeah. What do you think of Goro? Goro is a puppet. Goro is my favorite thing in the film. Goro looks awesome. I love Goro. So, in fact, they they use Goro like Goro is a puppet. He's a physical, tangible thing. Why wouldn't Reptile? And by the way, at the time of the, like when the games were out, Reptile's a ninja. Reptile does not, like Reptile looks how he does in that fight scene. Mm-hmm. He does not ever look like a CGI weird lizard man. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm going to spoil spoilers already real quick. Um, You're sadly, spoil Mortal Kombat? Sadly, uh, sadly, Goro does not win the tournament. No. But in my review for this movie, okay. all I wrote was Goro should have been the true champ forever. I only cheer for Goro. We're going to get to this in a second. Uh, Goro, actually, in the war, he had been the champion for nine uh, millennia in a row. Yeah, right. Um, he's the undefeated champion, as yeah. you like to say. Mm-hmm, that's right. Uh, real quick, just a little bit about this tournament. Um, they've been chosen, uh, this this tournament here, they've been chosen to defend the realm of Earth in a tournament called Mortal Kombat. This uh-huh. will be the 10th tournament, and they need to win the tournament to save the world. Okay? One of the three, this is all told by, like, Lord Raven, I believe. Yeah, Lord Raiden. Lord Raiden, I'm sorry. Lord Raven. Lord Raiden. Um, one of the three, as in Sonya, Lou, or Johnny, will decide the fate of the tournament. Uh huh. Okay. So that's just kind of a a rundown of our our yeah. three heroes so, here. Yeah. In Grand Mortal Kombat War, so Shao Kahn, who is the Emperor of Outworld, who is the Emperor of Outworld because he took that chair, um, because he's a ruthless warlord, has been invading different realms. So he has taken the realm of Eternia, which is where uh, Katana comes from. Um, she's later introduced in the film. And he, he keeps taking these realms and uh, you know, they, the Elder Gods did not like, you know, this. So they put in place this tournament to where, you know, he has to win the realms. So they have a chance to be defended by uh, the realm's greatest warriors. So that's where we get, you know, the Shaolin Monks and Johnny Cage and yeah. all that jazz. Yep. Um, so kind of all this is going on. You want to... Jump ahead here to our first fight scene where well, the yeah, um, tournament we, begins. Well, we do get a... Um, skipping a lot, man. We got a banquet scene, oh, just like right. of the Dragon. Yeah, that's right. Where... Can- Kano feasting. Yeah, Kano. Well, yeah, and you get introduced to Goro through that scene. That's right. Um, And then you find our good guys for spying on him. So they have this really bad fight scene with a bunch of extras. Right. And um, uh, what, what do they call that? Uh, like... Uh, or. Arabic uh, dudes, you know, wear... Um, they're all wearing that, like this headdress thing. They got the spears. Oh, and yeah. Mm-hmm. Hijabs. Yeah. Something I don't know like the that. name of them, but I'll, I'll agree with what you say. There. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Um, um, yeah, that's going on. Sub-Zero Ice is a guy at this, like, something, at, doesn't he? Or is that before? I think it's before. Okay, my bad. Um, <laughs> I, again, I have what's the deal with Raiden's laugh, because... We, yeah. All the time, it's just <laughs> yeah, yeah. First tournament fight is probably the best fight in the movie, right? Where Liu Kang is fighting um, is the African American fellow. Yeah, like we, it's actual martial arts. Yeah, so yeah, we got that. It is a good fight. You, I, I do you like that it. sequence? Yeah, Liu wins, obviously. And then right into it with no build, we get Kano versus Sonya. Sonya, yep. Do you like that fight? 
Yeah, I still was fine with it. It's uh-huh. not as good as the one before, but no. it's still fine. Um, it's kind of... I find this uh, to be weird because Kano, we didn't really talk about him a lot, but he has somewhat of a major role early in the film as like this guy that Sonya is like chasing down or he's chasing her down. He's leader of the Black Dragons. Right. Mercenary so it's like man. They kind of build up Kano as like this secondary villain. He he is like one of the main bad guys in the series. Yeah, and so all of a sudden we get this fight and like he's taken out pretty fast and like just ends that little storyline out of like that I guess we really didn't need. What do you think the actor I mean, I like him. So I don't mind him. The actor, I guess, like, influenced the game so much that, like, Kano's just Australian now. Oh, wow. He wasn't before. Trevor Goddard. Um, but I like or the Goddard. guy. He's got a good screen presence. Uh, what do you think of when he's his neck's being crushed and he's just spitting everywhere? <laughs> it's so gross. <laughs> yeah. Like, do you think uh, Veronica Vaughn was cool with that? Just spit spittle all over her thighs? I mean, I doubt it. Yeah. But- I mean, I hope she she washed that off very well after that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I I just th- I I just feel like that's it's very bad like filmmaking right there, like because like what was the point of that whole subplot? Like, there's none to, for me. Like, I just you know, it's because it's in the games. That's fair, but movie wise, it did not work. You're you're accusing Paul W. S. Anderson of bad filmmaking? Hey man, I told you he didn't come into form till later in the career. Other than shopping, shopping's magnificent. Event Horizon's right after this. Well, it's it's good, but it's still not as good as things to come. Wait, <laughs> I'm okay. I'm of the mind that Event Horizon is his best movie. Mortal Kombat's his second best movie. Resident Evil Four, Res no five, then four, then Event Horizon no. Five four shopping event horizon. Those are the top four easily. So we have a scorpion fight with Johnny Cage. Um, they fight in the woods. Do you like the look of this woods? It, it's uh, it's, it's very okay. designed. Yeah, um, all the trees are the same in yeah. a row. It's again, uh, it's different as far as like. A different looking set piece but it's still boring to me here's what i don't understand so in the games uh scorpion spear is literally a spear tip on a chain there's nothing like right. m- metaphysical about it yeah like no mysticism no sorcery which this movie is just into the dragon with wizards right <laughs> basically so I-, I wrote also in this like this is how like uninspired i was by this like set piece i'm just like Johnny Cage or Scorpion in an orchard? Question mark. I mean, it does look like an orchard. Um, all right. So, what do you think when they go to the Nether Realm, like that yeah, hell area? This is actually like I, I like that set piece. Um, they teleport to like Scorpion's lair. Um, it's like a Nine Inch Nails video. It does. So, like, I thought this was actually like interestingly designed and also like fairly well choreographed fight scene as well. Um, I. Kind of. This is like probably my favorite set piece of the whole film, if I'm being honest. So, yeah. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I mean it's it's fun. Again, I don't like the way that Scorpion and Sub Zero are used in these films. They're just kind of played off as like henchmen, more props. They're not given a character. 
Uh, but yeah, I think this fight scene's pretty fun. You get a nod to like one of the uh, friendships from Mortal Kombat 2. You know, Johnny puts his uh, signed photo after defeating him. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, Scorpion takes his mask off. You see the skeleton heads blown flames. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, kind of cool. Yeah. So kind of after this, uh, after Johnny's win, we get a few more fights. We get Lou versus Katana. Yeah. She just tells him a bunch of stuff on, like, they actually how to win right. the Sub-Zero you, fight. You think they're going to have a fight, but no. Yeah, she's tr- trying to help him out. And Shanksong's just like, it's like, nah, don't tell him things. That's right. Bad girl, naughty. So right into that, we get Lou versus Sub-Zero. Lou kills Sub-Zero with yeah, the element that this gives is life. Kind of, water. It's kind of a nothing <laughs> fight. Like, nothing happens. Yes, it's pretty bad. Uh, finally, we get Goro fighting. Um, okay, so let's talk about this dude who looks like the guy from Scrubs. Art Lean? Okay, I didn't know his name was Art until after his death, because Johnny says it in a speech. Yeah. Um, because I wrote down, why does anybody care about RJ? <laughs> um, so this guy, you know who is like all of their best friends, I guess, but you don't yeah. see him in the movie they except for a Art second. Lane. You know what's sad is I can't even give you the actor's name, Artlene, Artlene's real name, because he is not even mentioned here on the cast on Letterboxd. So they don't, Letterboxd could care less about Artlene. Well, yeah, I mean, I could care less about him. I don't understand why it's a big deal he's in the movie. <laughs> He's was not he, a character. No, so he wasn't a character in the video. No, game. No, he's not a character in the video game. I like that. Um, so Goro just destroys him. Yeah, and the dude just looks like a huskier version of Donald Faison from Scrubs, right? Yeah, I mean he's he's he's, he's the same. He's a nothing. He's Turk from Scrubs. <laughs> Turk from Scrubs found his way onto Shang Tsung's island and got pounded by Goro. So then Johnny is like, "I got to avenge," you know, Art and. We get a Goro versus Johnny fight. Okay, so in this fight, you know how... I wanted Goro to win so bad. I know you did. Um, He did not. He gets punched in the dick. Yeah. That's kind of funny, right? (laughs) That's that's like the first thing I wrote down. Goro takes a shot in the nuts from Johnny. That's a move from the games. I don't know if you noticed this, but when Goro enters the arena to fight Johnny, there's this pan... And there's all these guys cheering for Goro. Mm -hmm. And randomly, there is a guy wearing plaid with long hair. Mm -hmm. Dude does not look like the other guys (laughs) in Outworld. Like, he he doesn't look like he's not wearing the hijib thing. He's not, you know, a buff-oiled dude. He looks like he is a roadie. For, like, Soundgarden. I'm going to have to rewatch this. And he got sucked into this world. Nice. And he's... I want to know about that guy. He was probably Goro's biggest fan. Well, and that's the thing. Like, so this guy obviously came from Earth. Because I Mm -hmm. doubt that plaid and denim exist in Outworld. Right. Um, So he's from Earth, we're assuming. How did he get to Shang Tsung's Island? And once he's there, why is he rooting against Earthrealm? Yeah, he's rooting for Goro. I guess like seeing a four-armed, you know, hell, dude is pretty metal. But obviously, like I've already said, I would root for Goro. Right. So like, if I see a dude like that, I'm like, cheer for that guy. You cheering for him? Like, you know, f you, Luke or 
Johnny Cage. Well, it's weird. It's like in the background. I didn't notice it. Until, and I, this is a movie I've probably seen, sadly, like 10 or 15 times. Oh, wow. Okay. At least. You know, VHS staple, man. Used to watch it all the time. So I've seen this movie a lot. I did not notice it until this last screening that there is like a, a roadie in the background cheering for Goro. You should check it out. Gonna, if you watch the movie, check it out. You you have inspired me I think, to rewatch this scene. I think it's the most interesting thing going on in the movie. I want to know about this man. I want his story. I want to know how he ended up where he is and okay. why he has chosen the allegiances he has. Okay. That is what I want. Yeah, that's fine. Goro gets defeated. Yeah, he 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 get, gets kicked he off kicked, a thing, falls off a cliff. Those are five hundred dollars sunglasses, asshole. Johnny wins. We get we get like this thing where Sh- Shane kidnaps Son Sonya. Yeah, he kidnaps her takes because her a portal. Um, Johnny makes a deal that um, Shang Tsung can like challenge whoever he wants to Mortal Kombat, mm-hmm. and he's like going to challenge Sonya, and they call him a coward. And they're going to chase him to uh, Outworld. Yeah, they, they travel to Outworld to try and find her. I got a note in here. I don't know where it's from, but what is Raiden teaching? I guess it's like <laughs> during his speech. I don't even know what he's talking about. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. And then they they go to Outworld, right. um, Johnny and Lou, and you you get another scene with Reptile. Yeah. I just have Reptile stupid. A lizard crawls inside a... Like, a a warrior statue. A, de- a decayed looking monster and lizard fighter is created. <laughs> That's what I wrote down. And it's a bad scene. Like, yeah. the fight scene's no good. It's shot like Sam Raimi style without his, like, sense of style. Sure. Like, a lot of, like, those jumps with, like, the camera underneath the jump that he does, you know, in the Evil Dead movies. And there's, like, Lou kicks him and he, like, flips forever through a wall. Yep. And then becomes a statue with maggots in it. Yep. It's really bad. Reptile's stupid. Shouldn't have been in this movie. The CGI's garbage. I hate it. Yep. It aged poorly. Yep. Bad job. Wish I could disagree with you, but I don't. It's bad. It's really bad. So bad. Yep. Um, so after this, like, Lou beats Reptile. Then we get to this thing about three challenges in the Black Tower. Uh-huh. Um... We find out... Uh, well, first... Yes. Sonya's there. Right. She has a new outfit and hairdo, by the way. I wrote that. Nice. What is with her leather skirt onesie? Where'd they come from? Like, where'd it come from? Who, who did her hair? Who put it on her? Mm-hmm. And how'd she get a hair blowout? Yeah. When did this happen? Because we're only, like, what? Maybe an hour or two has passed since she left? Yeah. What's going on? Maybe just once you pass through that portal, things change. I don't know. I mean, I guess. They didn't for Lou and and Johnny. No. But. Would you have liked it more if Lou Kang had a blowout? Like, his hair was all wild. I would have. Yeah. My next note, and my final note. Mm-hmm. Lou Kang is a dumbass. Well, we all, we, yeah, he is, uh, you know. So, the three <laughs> challenges... Do you have them written down? I don't... Uh, How I, deep did you get into I, I, it? I, I, I didn't write them down, I don't think. Um, I, I did write that Lou challenges Shang to Mortal Kombat. Uh-huh. I know that. All this going on while Son- Sonya is also chained up to the Black Tower. Right. Um, Shang calls upon dead souls, and they appear from underground. 
Yeah, he fights like a samurai guy and like yep. a monk dude and yep. all sorts of different guys. Uh, yep, so that happens. Shang turns into Lou's dead brother at one point. Yeah, and I think that's why I wrote Liu Kang's a dumbass. Yep. Because, like, it literally happens in front of him. Right. Like, he sees Shang Tsung, bad guy, morph, which he knows he has this power, yep. morph into his brother. Yep. And then he's like, oh, no, it's my brother. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, you, you just saw him, the sorcerer. You just saw him do this, man. Yeah. Like, you know that's not your brother. Yeah. Like, what? what is going on here? Yeah. Dumbass. He some t- somehow got a uh, mind altercation. Uh, anyway, after this happens, basically Lu wins. Uh, Shang dies landing on spikes because of Lu's victory. All of the souls that Shang had captured are released. Mm-hmm. Uh, blue flags are raised for victory. The emperor interrupts the party. And Shao Kahn. Yes. Uh, wants their souls. Um, film over. Get ready for the sequel. The sequel is really bad. I have not seen the sequel. Now, I like Mortal Kombat. I think it's fun. It's not good. It's stupid. I mean, I, I did but have... But there's fun to be had. Like, I had a fun time watching it. I know we're, you know, ripping on the film. But it, it's, it is... It's a badly made movie. Wouldn't but, you say it's... It, it is Enter the Dragon, beat by beat. Yeah, for sure. It's Enter the Dragon with wizards. Yeah. But, you know, I, I will say, you know, it at least has some entertainment value to it. Mm-hmm. But it, 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 if you're looking... There's not much to take away from this film on an intellectual value. I'm just, it's, but it is fun if you're looking for just something mindless to watch. Yeah, I mean, I, it is, uh, you know, the auteur Paul W.S. Anderson's second best film. Lies. So, there is that. Don't listen to those words. Um, yeah, there, there's fun. So, they're making a new Mortal Kombat movie. Oh, man. What do you want to see from that? Like, what would have you interested in the movie? Like, d- I don't know. I mean, I like, guess the only thing I could say is if an in, a, a director I'm interested in, because since I haven't played the games mm-hmm. and I, I I have no connection to any of the characters or um okay uh, maybe if Goro was in it I'd be interested. Okay. Um. Well, let's let's break down some stuff. Um. So if the fight scenes were pretty awesome, mm-hmm. you'd be down for that. Like, yeah. better fight scenes. Yep. They need that. I want some cool-looking costumes, some good color. Good costuming. Yeah. Um, what, like, maybe some more outlandish magical powers. Sure. Like, lean into the fantasy yeah. shit. Also, give me, like, one thing. I understand this movie was going for um, a bigger audience, so it was, like, PG-13, correct? This is what I was going to ask um, you. I would love to see some finishing moves. Where actually people get massacred like they do in the video game. Because you you stepped in and watched while I've been playing the game. And it's just gore city. Right. Yeah. So give me an R-rated, like hard R-rated Mortal Kombat. Maybe I'd be interested. Do you think an R-rated Mortal Kombat would be financially viable? I don't know. The franchise is popular. They're on their 11th entry. They keep making these games. Fans keep... I mean, the fandom for it was I mean, so high that they made that, like, web series, right? With Michael J. White? Yeah, that's right. I mean, of course, things change so fast in in uh, the landscape of cinema. But I will say, 
I mean, there were six Resident Evil films made. And they're all I mean, R-rated. They are. So, I mean, like, I don't see what the big deal would be to try to have something so, made like that. do you think that maybe something in that, like, moderate budget, you know, like a Resident Evil budget, mm -hmm. but make it R-rated yeah. is the way to go? I don't know what the budgets are for those films, and I know most of their gross is from international. I would, I, it can't be, a, like, a ton. I mean, I would say give the movie, like... I don't know, 50 to 75 million and see what happens. Question. What if they make this glossy, beautiful looking R-rated Mortal Kombat with all sorts of Kung Fu wizardry, mm -hmm. but the only thing is they retain Reptile from this movie <laughs> and Reptile looks the exact same 1995 style. I mean, would you be down? I would have a probably a lot of things to write and think about for that movie. So, I mean, I would watch it, yes. Do you think Reptile in Paul W.S. Anderson's movie was an artistic choice? Like, they saw the design for it and was like, this looks like the graphics on a PlayStation. Right. This looks like a video game. Yeah, I mean... Maybe we should put it in our movie? I, th I think that probably has an idea of what happened because, like... Like, if that's this, the route you're going to go, why not use a fucking puppet like you did in Gora? No, I, I'm with you. Like, you would have to think, some of these people who put the movie together would have to think, you know, PlayStation 1 graphics probably aren't going to hold up in about 10 years. Not in 1995. So, obviously, you know, that was a fatal error on their choice. Because they did not hold up. I'm. It didn't hold up when it came out. Yeah, I, I can't imagine... That a lot of people were very impressed with that at the time. No, Terminator Two was out. Yeah, Jurassic Park. No, yeah, that was that was a uh, an error in judgment. Hot trash. Yeah, yeah. All right, man. Well, this was a lot of fun. I'm glad that you got to watch Enter the Dragon again. Yeah, I, I'm glad that you got to be exposed again to Paul W. S. Anderson's second best film. Um. You know, because I, I think... Why do you keep lying to our audience? I'm, I don't I understand never you. I never you lie. You are full of lies. But I will say I did have fun watching it, even though I'm crapping on the movie, because it is not good, but I did have fun. Well, good. And that's the thing. Like, this is the type of movie to just grab a few beers and some friends and chug those beers very quickly mm -hmm. and just have fun. Yeah. Yep. Root for art. Look for the grungy man during the Goro fight. And root for Goro during his, like, five to ten minutes of screen time. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. That is my suggestion. There's a sweet making of on the VHS about how they made Goro. Oh, man. Yeah. And they did, like, an animated tie-in movie to explain how all the characters ended up where they did. Nice. Yeah. Hail Goro. Also, there was a television series on TNT. Um, I do remember that. Do you also watched it? But. Do you remember watching WCW and they tried to introduce a wrestler based off Sub Zero? I do. I think his name was Glacier. I do remember that. And you remember? I don't even know if I saw him wrestle. I just remember the vignettes. It was like it would be like shot in like a meat locker, mm -hmm. and it's like he would turn around and he would look like Sub Zero, and it's like Glacier is coming. Good stuff. Man, the 90s. Long live the 90s. All right, man. What do we got next? All right. So for next episode, we are going to be discussing, uh, we're hitting that uh, midpoint of the year here. So we're going to be discussing our top five films 
of 2019 thus far. This will be from January through June from this year. And so we'll talk about uh, the year in cinema that has been so far and some of our favorites that we've seen. I got a lot of catching up to do. I hope I have something to contribute to the conversation. All right. Um, so I'm looking forward to that and just having um, some nice discussion on 2019. Um, before we leave real quick, uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, our editor and producer, Melanie. You can follow her on uh, Twitter at Plastic Werewolf. She is uh, great at what she does, and uh, we could not uh, have this show without her. Um, I would also ask that uh, you give us a uh, review and rating on iTunes. You can follow find us at Cinema Parlor. You can find us also on SoundCloud. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Cinema Parlor, and you can find me personally on Letterboxd at Chuck Madden Jr. Is there a way to direct message you on Letterboxd? Like, if people want to... No. There's not? I don't think so. Okay. You can you can talk to me on, like, you can... On your reviews? On my reviews, you can say things. So, me. if you want to interact with Nolan about his Paul W. Sanderson opinions, uh... Hit review bomb him. I have a review on there of either four or five, giving it a glowing three and a half to four star review with a nice paragraph of nothing but love. So find that and just let him know how you feel. Tell me how right I am. Thank you. You can also uh, hit us up on the Twitter. Did you drop our Twitter handle? I did. Good. Cinema Parlor. You got anything you want to shout out here? No, I mean, you can find me on Letterboxd, uh, I think Glover 84 All right. Uh, this has been fun. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see you guys uh, next time. Goodbye. Bye.